Before we get into today's episode, I've created a short questionnaire that will help me get to know you better. Those that fill out the questionnaire will get entered into a draw to win an Amazon gift card. So there's a link in the description for the episode. Click it, fill out the questionnaire, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Now for today's episode. This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Mark Walters who's a YouTuber, Walters World and he's also an award-winning PhD professor in marketing so I'm excited to have you on Mark, thanks for joining me. Thanks Mike, glad to be on, thanks for inviting me. So do you use your marketing background for the YouTube channel? I'd be curious about how the two interlock. Oh yeah, so actually how Walters World really kind of took off is it was looking at the analytics inside of YouTube that they give you. And when I first started making videos, I just made any kind of travel content. I was making language content. I didn't know really what to, what to focus on. And what I saw when I looked in there, I was like, wait, there's this group of German travelers that want to learn the foreign language of the country they want to go to. No other country wanted to do that. I did a lot of different languages, but it's only teaching a foreign language in German to Germans did well. And that's where it kind of started. I'm like, huh. If I actually look in the analytics, you know, the, what we learn about marketing, it really tells you what your customers want. And so I went from there and kind of grew the the like German speaking part of it. And after a while, it kind of tailed off. And then these five love and hates of travel really took off. And that was one of those things that was kind of a surprise because I thought, oh, people want to know the 10 places they should go. And they need they want to know like the top sites. No, 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 no. It, from that, I learned the from the insides, like, no, people want to know about the culture. They want to know what they shouldn't do so they don't mess up when they're there. And they want to kind of be better prepared. And so the market analytics side of thing really helped me figure out what my niche should be and how I could help people more. So I have used that quite a bit in terms of helping me know what, what content to make, but also what content not to make. Because I used to make, a, I mean, I used to make tons of videos on all kinds of topics. And I started to see, wait, this isn't resonating with the audience. It's not necessarily going to help more people travel better. So then I started pulling back from the content. Hence why, you know, I only make like, hey, here's the, the words that tourists need to know instead of making here's how to use the past tense in Spanish. You know, I was like, I got rid of all that stuff and started focusing more just on, hey, let's just focus on the do's and don'ts of travel and culture shocks. That's going to help people out the most. Let's go. And so that's helped me out with the marketing side. What about the argument of marketing courses at college not necessarily preparing you? Because let's say by the time you're qualified, things have changed. So or do you teach people how to follow what works so you're able to move with the times as well? Oh, yeah, that's one of the things. I even have a whole class that's based on, like, we talk about new product development and new idea generation. And that's one of those things. Like, look, you have to stay up on things. And I always give the students the example. You know, in 2015 and 16, I used to have a live Twitter feed on the bottom of my, of the bottom of my PowerPoint, like, you know, up on the board. Because students, I had 600 students in a class. And, of course, no one wants to raise their hand in a 600-person class, right? So it would literally be a ticker on the bottom, and I just answer their questions that way. By 2008 zero students were using Twitter. Like nobody was using Twitter. And so I had to switch over to something else. And you're like, look, you see it here. It's easier in a marketing class to show because yeah, you can show like what TV shows we watched 10 years ago. And you're like, oh my God, we watched that? Yeah, yeah, it was number one, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the things that makes it easier for people to realize, look, you can't sit back and do the same thing over and over again because trends change, your needs, your customers change. So that's kind of helpful. 
Um, so in that way, I think marketing can help because it, it depends on, of course, it depends on the class, depends on the professor, but you need to make sure it's very dynamic because I can't use Justin Bieber examples this like, like I did 10 years ago today, because then it was like, oh, look how wholesome he is and how he's like got people to do all these online things and make their videos about their boyfriend and students are like, what are you talking about? Like, oh yeah, that was a whole genre 10 years ago. Now it's like, it's more like following to see what crazy things happen to him and how his life falls apart. And you're like, okay, this is a different aspect. So it's in that way, it's kind of um, good. But I understand what you're saying, like, does it not prepare them? And that's the thing for a lot of things with a lot of college degrees, is it really prepare you for the job source? And that's one thing I always pride myself on. Like I, I teach a, a, what we call a capstone marketing course. So I would teach an intro course. So it's like, hello, this is what marketing is. And then we have the one like, hey, you're, you're a marketing consultant for a company. We actually get companies that work with our students and their students are literally the marketing for that. So they have to do projects, digital marketing, make up their social media, make their posts, make their videos. So it's like, hey, there's your real world experience. And that's really helped them a lot. But uh, yeah, if you don't get the action, they call it action learning when you work with companies. If they don't get that in there, you're really failing your students. You got to get them better prepared for the future. Because honestly, I tell them the first day come my class, my job is to get you ready for you walk out that door into the real world. If I don't prepare you for the real world, I have failed you as a professor. And some of my students freak out. It's like, wait, you're going to fail me? I'm like, no, no, it's it's a metaphor. If I don't do a good job helping you, then you fail in life. So yeah, it's a very weird situation, isn't it? Because I mean, AI is fully fledged now. It's mm -hmm. taken over. It's becoming a whole beast all on its own. Marketing will probably change. The way that you have right. to communicate will probably change. There are videos out there now that are challenging Hollywood trailers and oh, yeah. cinema and in our world this is quite new but in a month or two's time it'll be a completely different animal altogether so the whole infrastructure and the whole system that is marketing will probably shift in well, i don't know a year well, I, I can see where that is but i think the creative side of it because you have to remember ai all it can do is take from stuff that already exists so you have to be careful that you're not plagiarizing someone else's idea because you could get nailed and it yeah, isn't true. hard for someone to go was this made by chat gpt in chat gpt and they're like oh yeah i made that and that's a whole other can of worms so if you have the creative side i think that's where you still have opportunities but it does help in some areas for sure and i think what you're going to see more you know you hear about companies that are talking about hey we're not going to hire eight thousand people because we can probably ai that you know you're going to see that the ai stuff coming in a lot more in customer service and the like the the bots that answer your questions when they do the chat functions the problem is is like ai is improving rapidly but it's still not there like that's one of those things one of our one of our fans sent us oh i did a i, I did a thing and tell me about walter's world and what it sent me i could tell which like google searches it uses you know because that's all it is it just instead of you choosing the best thing in the Google search results, it just takes everything and gives it to you. And it's wrong. I mean, it's it's wrong enough times that I wouldn't bet my job on it, you know, but I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean when it did the thing for me, it was, you know, it was like 65, 70% right. I was like, oh, but I could see it's like, oh, they took that from this uh, HuffPost article we're in. They took this from the Washington Post article we're in. So you could see what art like what journals or what newspapers it, it took from. And then, and then it started to get a little out there. I'm like, wow, I had no idea I was making $4 million a year. I'm like, yeah, no, take a couple of zeros <laughs> off there, pal. Like, it was just kind of funny because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no. And there's like, with $4 billion, I'm like, mm, no. 
I don't well, we got we have a quarter of a billion, but I wish we had four billion because then I would be doing really well. Yeah. So that's yeah. the thing is like you have to realize it's not gonna just do it for you. It's it's something you have to have the intelligence to see those things. And it's I mean, I think it's gonna be more like how computers changed everything. You know, like 30 years ago, like somebody might have had a personal computer play some video games and stuff. It wasn't everywhere. And now it's everybody. It's not like, oh, if you know how to, you know, everyone will know how to use a computer, just like everyone will know how to use the AI. So it's just a new tool to help us to kind of move on. And it is going to be, it's exciting, but it's also very scary. I know um, when I, when my kids are out of school this next holiday, uh, we're actually going to be working together to teach them about AI. It's like, hey, guys, you need to know this. You know, like this is something that schools have not instituted in their classes yet. I know at the college level, we literally had a meeting this week of how we can integrate AI more into our marketing courses, into our analytics courses, because it's really like, boom, like we have to have the students have to know these things now. Yeah, it's becoming a real challenge just to keep up with the times. I mean, since the Internet and social media, some people just stop trying to keep up yeah. with it and now ai is just going to be even faster and even pretty mm -hmm. soon the only thing that can actually keep up with how fast things are going is an ai but then an ai is also confirming its cycle in a way because like, yeah. well, if the only thing that can keep up with ai is ai eventually people are just going to be just let them do it because we've got no chance okay. yeah and i and i the problem the thing is like it could be helpful but i'm worried that there'll be companies that just and just say AI is fine, and you're like, wait, but the AI doesn't have the human attributes. We can code that. No, not not really. Not you don't have that quite yet. You know, because even though you can have it where it's Chat GPT, you're like, write it as a 45 year old, you know, Irishman, you know, who who doesn't like to work on Thursdays. You know, like you can see how you can make it so it'll make it sound <laughs> like that. It's yeah. just taking stereotypes of finds online, and it's not still not the same thing. So it, it's a very it's a very interesting topic and it's very it's going to have a huge impact there's going to be a lot of people that are going to lose their jobs um i'm, I'm not gonna lie like there is and it's not i mean it's gonna be it's more the, the middle class that's going to get hit the biggest i think uh with that which is which is tough because middle class has been hit for quite some time now and now it's going to get hit again uh, yeah. so it's kind of like how do we adjust it and i kind of talk to my kids because they're both going they're learning about the industrial revolution i'm like look you don't want to be the cottage industry you want to be the one that knows how those machines work and that's going to give you the job that's going to keep you ahead of the tidal wave of job losses. I think as well, I mean, I wonder what were your take is on it. If it's good enough, people will just sacrifice the 20% to save the 80%. People will yes. be okay with 80% because of how much benefit that comes with it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like the Pareto principle, you know, it's like 20% of your clients is 80% of your business. Like, hey, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's a different kind of thing, but yeah, they'll be like, hey, it's good enough. And then if something if something's wrong, then they'll come back and then we'll use a person. So instead of having 10 people work for us, we'll have one AI, then one person that does that. And AI is cheap compared to having yeah. 10 people and retirement planning and, and insurance costs. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, and that's the long term. If you think about the government side of it, you know, with AI taking more and more jobs, how do you sustain the people that don't have jobs? And what are the new jobs that are out there? And how do we have the job creation? I mean, this is the, I mean, it's a very much a, big 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 question with really big impacts i don't know if if they're really looking at it in that way i think a lot of it actually comes down to they're just going to respond to what happens they're not yeah. really going to think so far ahead because i mean i don't know what your experience has been but i find the more planning i do the more plans i'm altering because yes. i've made the plan and then i have to go back and, and revisit it because this has happened and this has happened and mm -hmm. it changes the whole game it's like if you 
replace the words in a word search you want to start again so it, it it's a weird it's a weird thing but then it's going that quickly can you really afford to not take preemptive steps well, I know. I, I'm trying to figure out how I can use it better myself, you know, and then that's that's one yeah. thing is and of course, it's in different industries, you know, how's it going to kind of work, you know, because because here's the thing, you know, I, I see all these people on Instagram. I will build you a million subscriber okay. follower yeah. on YouTube or a million. I'm like, you have like 400. How I don't like why don't you do it for yourself? One. But then two what they teach with AI is they're teaching everybody the same thing. So all it's going to be is a hundred people making the exact same video. And that's no, people are going to like that. You're like, I need something different. So that's where you need to have the personal experience. You need to have that personal contact. Those kind of things will go farther. And I know the AI and, and things. That's why like, whenever you hear a voice online, like, ah, oh, I thought I heard that person in another video. And well, if it's a faceless voice, a lot of times now it's just a auto generated voice yeah. and you'll hear it sometimes in some of the words. You're like, wait, you were doing perfect. And then you're like, mess up a, you know, it's like, you know, like Scousers in, in Liverpool, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's going really well. And then the, all of a sudden it's Scooser. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. I thought you were from Liverpool. No, no, that's AI, you know, so. So is that you picking up on my accent then? Is, is that what it is that you could tell no, I'm, I'm from around there? No, it's because Eurovision's next week. So I'm like, oh, hey, right. the Liverpool stuff. And I'm editing, I'm editing my Liverpool videos to put out this week. So that was on my mind. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, let's talk travel then, because that's a big part of of the work that you're doing. You mentioned AI, which is probably early doors for yourself. But how can people travel better? I'm I'm I used to live in a tourist based area, so I went traveling, and then I applied my roots, I guess, in a tourist area for about two or three years. And there is a big difference between holidaying somewhere, living somewhere that is designed for tourists and holidaying and then you've got the people that you just know are tourists because of how they act because of how they carry themselves because of what they do on a day-to-day basis versus weekly or monthly or yearly that sort of thing there's a big difference between those two things but I'd be curious about what people get wrong when it comes to being a tourist and traveling uh, well, the thing is, a lot, like you said, it's like when you live in a tourist-based place. So if you're going to like a tourist destination, you're going to like the Costa del Sol in Spain or your Algarve in Portugal or, you know, Florida, you know, the beach of Florida, like those are like Bay- Orlando. That is tourism in its purest form. Like we do not do, like it's all about the people that come into town. Those places, you usually see people really kind of go, it's almost like they just bring home with them. That's why you go to Costa del Sol. I mean, you can get great English breakfast on Costa del Sol. You know, it's hard to find good tapas sometimes on Costa del Sol, but you'll find plenty of British pubs, you know, and and, and English breakfast. And I think that's one of those things is, you know, to be a better tourist, traveler, however you want to call it. One thing I think is important is realizing what you want to get out of your trip. Because sometimes people are like, look, I don't want to learn anything new. I, I just want to go to the beach. I want to drink my beer. And get my drinks with umbrellas, and that's it, because they just want to, you know, detach from the world, which is great. Do it; that's fine. But then there's people that know I want to go and do the culture stuff, so I want like take a cooking class, and I want to go see the museums. And, and there's different ways you can do it. And I think for anyone, when, no matter what you're going to do, whether you want to do like the hardcore museum stuff or the hardcore drinking and doing nothing on the beach stuff, <laughs> a lot of it really comes down to be doing research, like knowing what's the right place for you, because. I see people that get really upset, like, because I, I listen to, to tourists when I'm going around, because I still go to the tourist sites because I gotta make my videos and talk about things. And, and I just kind of overhear people and you'll hear people getting upset by things. And like, you know, 
like if you would have watched any video at all on this country or any video on the, at all or read anything about the city, you would have known that, you know, and it's like if you would have done that, it wouldn't have ruined like people get they, the, people let little things ruin their vacation. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, there'll be people like, yeah, there's a guy that took my train ticket because he was helping me in Italy. And I'm like, well, you let a guy you let somebody help you with the train ticket, which is in your native language. It's right there. You didn't need to ask for help. And you're letting that you hate Italy now because of that. Come on. You know, it's like if you've done the research, hey, you know what? People are going to try to help you. If they don't have the train Italian stuff, don't let them help you. You know, like it's it's amazing how smart people become very dumb when they travel. My parents, it's hilarious. They travel, they travel all over the world. And then they come travel with me and they're like, uh, can you read the menu for me? I'm like, it's in English. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, well, what's this? I'm like, I'm like, wait, you're asking me what a hamburger is? It's a hamburger. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're like, what happens? And that's the thing mm-hmm. is my wife and I like to say is people put on their magic fanny pack when they travel. And in that magic fanny pack, it's like a protective shield. Nothing bad can happen to me. I don't have to use my brain. I can just walk out of the middle of the street and get that beautiful picture while the cars go zooming by. You're like, you know how my most tours die? Car accidents, you know, and things like that. So, you know, it's like people just kind of forget that, hey, you have to use your common sense when you travel. Do your research. Know what you're going to be getting yourself into so that you're going to have a better time when you're there. It's interesting you bring up what you want to get out of your holiday because it happens quite often where let's say you go with family and everyone has a different thing that they want to get out of the holiday. So some people will want to see the museum. Some people will want to take the cooking classes. Other people are quite happy on the rooftop pool drinking and that is their entire week. That's all they want to do all week. And then there is someone in the same family that want to go traveling. They want to book excursions. They want to do the whole nine yards of the experience that can be quite difficult to manage unless you turn around to them and say you can do what you want we can do what i want and then we'll meet up for lunch and that, that's oh, yeah. kind of how how it would work oh yeah that's one of the things we t- we, do, we promote a lot of multi-generational travel so like grandma parents grandkids or skip generation where it's like grandparents because i'm like look everyone wants to do their own thing like you can't make every because that, that's one thing i see a lot with like grandma buys the family vacation and then it's just grandma's vacation. I'm like, that is the worst thing you do because then people resent grandma because all we're doing is going to the knitting class and the museum and then going to bed and eating dinner at five. And I'm like, no, no. Like, and so I have this whole thing. I'm like, look, you have to have a conversation that everybody's involved and know that it's it's okay not to do stuff with everybody every day. That's why whenever we do, because we travel a lot. And my parents will come with us usually, you know, twice a year on a trip, you know. I mean, they've gotten older now, so maybe it's only once a year. But back in the day, it was like twice a year they'd come with us. And I knew, you know, we went for three weeks together. We did like East Africa and the Netherlands and other, and we've done a lot of those. But it's always, I always know like after like six days, I know my dad can't, he needs a day of just sitting watching Netflix and and that's it. Like doing nothing because he just can't do it. And if he doesn't, he gets real, real cranky, let's say. Right. And so it's like, all right. So we actually plan in days that, hey, this is this is our free day. Like, do whatever you want. I have a friend of mine. We do a lot of guys trips together. We do like, you know, we'll do like a week, 10 day trip to Ireland or we'll go to see we've gone to Ireland. We've gone to France. We've gone to England. And we always plan out. It's like, hey, I already know, like day four or five, you know, I'm going to go film. You have that day. So we have it kind of a planned out. But also, like, we went to New York City together, and we were doing the museums. And he was like, he's like, look, I'm going to spend, you know, six hours in the Met. 
I'm like, I can do three hours in that, but I can't do six hours in that. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. So let's let's set a time. Let's yeah, you know, let's shoot for like dinner at like seven here. All right, all right. So then I did my own thing, and we no one was upset. Where sometimes when people do that, they're like, oh, you don't want to hang out with me? Like, no, I just want to do something different, and that's okay. And that's why it's important to discuss that beforehand. Hey, if someone doesn't want to do something, that's totally that's totally cool. What is it like to film in those places? Because you obviously you shoot your your YouTube channel as well. Is there an element of you go there for a the week and a day is filming? Do you? Because I've I've had a couple of influencers on as well, and some of them are actually that tell me stories of having to eat cold food all the time because it takes so long doing the recordings and the videos and the pictures and everything. And it can take them a while to actually eat the food that they're trying to take yeah. pictures of and videos of. So it can get quite difficult to actually enjoy your holiday. So how do you do it? Well, for the, those ones, they're trying to get, they're taking 50 pictures to get the one perfect picture. Whereas again, 80% is good enough, right? And so they're, they're, they're thinking, if I don't have the perfect one, it's not going to work. I'm like, people don't care that much, especially when you think about it, they're watching it on their cell phone. Like it ain't going to make that much of a difference, you know? And for me, I'm like, I want to have the pasta hot. I want to have the beer cold. So what I do is I literally, I'll just use my phone here. I get 10 seconds of video of that, 10 seconds of this food, 10 seconds of that food, 10 seconds. All right. You know, as, and I always do it this way. I'm like, I get my kids first when it comes out and like, Hey, if you want to start eating, you can. So then they get that. And then I, you know, I kind of circle by so that they don't have to wait for me. So it's like 30 seconds till I get my food. And cause I'm not, I'm not a food guy. I'm a, I'm a food person, obviously, <laughs> but uh, I'm not like, it's not like I have to take the 90 pictures and have the thing and me going, Oh, and then, then me being very wasteful and have like 90 dishes to show off. And I eat like three bites of things and then throw it away. Like that's, that's another thing is the wastefulness of, of some of these, some of these programs. And so what we do for my filming, like I, I literally, when I walk around during the day, I mean, this is one I've learned over years of doing this. I don't film my standing there talking stuff during the day. I'm going around exploring. I'm seeing the museums. I'm being a normal tourist, you know, and, and I'm not going to film myself being a tourist because I don't want to ruin other people's experiences. So I just literally take my phone out. I'll film a 10 second thing here, 10 second thing there, 10 second thing there, maybe eight seconds just to have that little chop to put in. And then I actually film in the mornings. Like I get up six, seven o'clock in the morning. I go out. I find, I mean, I've scouted out places to film, like where I'm standing and talking. I'll put my tripod up and I'm filming from I don't know, eight until 10 in the morning in different spots. Come back at 10. Wife and kids are ready for the day. Then we go out and explore. Maybe I'll film a part or two like while we're walking around. But it's like, no, I want to enjoy the city. And when the kids were younger, you know, you'll, if you watch our videos, you'll see a lot of times there's like a park nearby. It's because the kids are they're playing in the park while I'm filming. So they get a half hour of running around and I knock out a couple of videos. Um, so that's kind of helped me in my planning and also in terms of the number of videos I want to get, you know, I was like, I used to try to film like 10 videos a day, you know, and just get everything possible because I didn't know how much I was going to travel. Now I travel enough. I know I don't have to film a whole year's of con worth of content in like one trip. No, I can, I have plenty of time. But it's like, let's focus on the videos that are really going to matter. Go and batter, going back to the marketing, which videos really resonate with my audience. I know for me, it's the don'ts of travel. We have a new channel on the food things. And then the culture shocks one, those are ones that like, look, those three ones I have to film when I go to a place. Right. And so by doing that, I can focus on that. And then, cause I've done my research, I've read hundreds of things about this, watch hundreds of things about it. I've been to these places most of the times before, spent time there, talked to locals. I'm like, all right, now I feel comfortable talking. I can film it in the morning. And so that kind of makes life easier. Cause then I can, I can explore and enjoy. Cause I've, I'll see people like, yeah, it looks really cool. Like how you did all these shots. 
but I don't want to have to, you know, set up 50 different shots for something that it's going to be, you know, a two minute video. And yeah, I mean, it looks cool, but I'm not Mr. Beast. I'm not Mark Rober. I'm not these three. I'm just like, Hey, I'm a simple guy that wants to show people how to travel, but I also want to enjoy it myself, you know? And so I, I get a chance to really see a lot more out there. And I think, and I think that's one of those things that really comes through in our videos that we really experience the culture and we're not just running through to get the pictures, you know, and, and you know, I got to get the wing picture and I got to get this and a lot watch me with my flowy dress and floppy hat. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's like, Hey, I just did all this stuff. And it, this went well, this one didn't. So, you know, and that's my whole thing. My whole idea, my whole objective is just to help other people travel better. So they have a better experience when they go around the world. Cause that's, that's what's going to make the world a better place. We realize we're all not that different. I can't imagine you wearing a big floppy hat though. Like I just can't do it. Like the amount of times I, I'd probably think, okay, maybe, maybe they can get him in a floppy well, hat just for one of the videos, just for one. Maybe they'll get him. Maybe they'll get him in one. Well, well no, I, I, I did I film one. I did. I did film one on uh, uh, Instagram parodies. I ha I'm editing that one right now. Uh, that for this one's come out like kind of, It's like an April Fool's one. And I need to get the big floppy hat because this summer I'm going to a few really like popular. Um, spots like there's one there's one in portugal they, in lisbon they all like to go to which is fine i lived there for five years i'm like yeah that's nice but it's not as nice as the instagrammers make it seem i want to have it like my, my idea is to have the big floppy hat on and as, as i'm writing which i love this is one thing i always tell when someone has not really done the research on lisbon they're like take a traditional tuk-tuk up the hills i'm like there is nothing traditional about a tuk-tuk in Lisbon. That is just for the tourists. I'm like, there's a reason yeah. why everybody has such good butts in Lisbon because you have to walk up and down the big hills, you know? And so I always laugh when I see that, but I'm like, I kind of want to like have the hat on and then do it in the tuk-tuk and just like play it up on that. So, but that would obviously be a great, like, uh, you know, April Fool's joke one. So is that another thing that people tend to get wrong about traveling is what's a locals thing and what's a tourist thing? And do some people play on it as if it oh, yeah. is a local, as it's like an attraction, even though it's not? So it can be really hard to figure out, okay, what do locals actually do? What do they actually yeah. eat versus yeah. what are they using it as a, as a marketing thing? Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, you have you have shows like Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations. You have Diners, Drivers and Dives, which is like a show in the U.S. They go to diners around the U.S. There's those shows. Then everything's well, that's the only thing I can eat in that store. That's the only thing I eat in that restaurant. Or that's the only thing in that country. And I'm like, no, no, they're going into that specific restaurant to have that specific dish. That restaurant actually has 35 other things you could order. And so like in our food videos, we usually never talk about the restaurants we go to. Because it's like, look, I want you to know the food you should have in Sorrento, Italy. I want you to know what the food you should have in Chicago. Not you have to eat here because then it gets people to explore more and find those things. But a lot of people are like, no, I just want to be told what I have to eat and do that. And that's it, it's fine. But, you know, because I'll get really mean emails. Tell me where to go. Where did you buy that? Where I want to know right now. And I'm like, uh, that video is from eight years ago. And it was a random restaurant in Portugal. See, I can tell you what the food was because a sorda is fantastic, but I don't know where I got that one. You know, it's it's kind of funny. It must be a bit strange some of the comments and emails that you <laughs> must get when because Maybe. it's the same with anything. Like you take a video somewhere, people want to know what the jacket is, people want to know where the place is, they want to know the exact specific thing. Mm -hmm. And similar to to this show, is some of them are filmed or recorded months before they come out just sure. because i like to be consistent and i like to have yeah. some kind of a, a schedule ahead of time really and some people would say 
you know, what was this? Or you said that, or I can't believe you mentioned this. And it, it was like six months ago. Things have changed. I get that. But that's what we spoke about at the time. It can be mm-hmm. a bit strange when that happens, I guess, for YouTube because they can see it, they can consume it, yeah. they can really sort of want in on the experience. What's it like? when it comes to travel as well because sometimes things like the pandemic set in travel restrictions can happen you might have access to places that some people might not be able to get to all those kinds of things where what people think is happening isn't necessarily happening but they want to know like what was that yeah. meal that you had and it might not be on the menu anymore because it's been like three or four months yeah and that, and that, and that's why when, when i make my scripts when i write things out when i think about things i make it point to like hey is there anything that's going to date this? Like, you know, like, for example, Liverpool had, depending on when this comes out, had Eurovision, right? And so I'm not going to, when I make my, when I made my video, I was in Liverpool before Eurovision happened. I didn't mention Eurovision contest in the video because I know that dates it for, you know, oh, that was a week in May in 2023. And some people are like, oh, unless this video was made last week, whatever they say is wrong. I'm like, um, actually, no, a lot of cities, the major sites and the culture things don't change for decades, right? You know, it's like, what, am I, I going to tell people not to go to the Louvre in, in Paris? I mean, come on, you know, it, it's kind of funny. And so I make it a point to kind of leave those things out. That's, again, like you said, the restaurants change, you know, the menus change, but also the quality service you get it. Like some hotels change so much. That's why we don't we don't recommend hotels. We just we might do a review of a hotel, but we're not going to say, oh, you should stay here because people will write us like, tell me exactly where to stay. Tell me exactly where to go eat. I'm like, I, I don't do that. You can go look on TripAdvisor. You can look on Google. You can do it yourself. And then that's when people get really mad. Like, well, you need I'm like, we are just making travel content, help people make their own decisions and travel. Like that's, that's the whole thing is, you know, like people are like, Oh, are you going to do tours? I'm like, I could do a tour. I do tour. I take students on tours, you know, cause I've, I'm a professor. And, but I'm like, my whole goal of our channel is to help people make their own travel decisions and go see things on their own. Like I want to give you the tools so you can be your own you know, traveler, right. And your own planner. And so that's sometimes kind of funny how people will get really like um, upset in the, in the comments or the, D, the DMS. <laughs> Or sometimes they'll find your phone number. Like, how did you find my phone number? You know, <laughs> like that's that's where it gets a little scary. We had we had we had somebody show up at our house once too. So you're like, I don't have my address. I don't like how the heck. But yeah, that must you. take some doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> does it not feel weird that um, you're ask, asking people to, I guess, use you as a resource to help you make travel decisions and things? which is very different to asking you for specific things versus, okay, look, we've got like 20 videos about Melbourne or or whatever it is. Use those to help you. But then if you want something specific, there are other places that that you can go and that you should probably go before making your decision. Yet there must be some that would use your channel as their sole resource, which then kind of comes back to you need to do your research, don't you? Yeah, and that, that's just it. Like, that's why I want to give people, if they watch, if they just watch our don't, I tell you, if you're going to watch one video before you go anywhere, watch our don'ts because it's going to give you safety. It's going to give you fun. It's going to give you, you know, because it's not just don'ts. I have to put it, you know, because people like negativity. So I have to put it as a, a do, but I make it sound like a don't. So it's like, don't forget to do this because it's so great, you know? And, and, so, and so that's one thing and try to help people on their way. And, and that's the thing is if you're going to a big travel destination, like my, I, I, I help out, I go all over the world and do things, but you have to realize there's people that really will just focus on New York city. 
or they'll just focus on Walt Disney World or they'll just focus on Beijing. Like there are people that just do that and they can be really helpful. But the thing is like with mine, people know like, look, you're gonna get honest advice for someone that travels the world all the time and has been there and has done the research. So you don't have to. And so that's where a lot of people are like, you're our first resource. And so I give them the base, like I help give that base for them. If they wanna go farther in the food stuff, there's people that have the food stuff for Paris. So they wanna go more on the adventure stuff. We talk about it, but then, oh, where, 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 how do I learn how to serve? There's people that help you for that. So. We try to help out in different ways. My light here is is blind. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to go this way. There we go. Here we go. So what are some of the, the main don'ts that people get when it comes to traveling? Is there any big mistake that people do apart from research and trying to figure out what to get out of their holiday? Because the amount of times I, I try not to have hold luggage on purpose so that I can just wander through security and all those things. But then yeah. people picture the friend's moment where uh, he's wearing all the clothes he owns, walking through security and stuff. So you can paint a very weird picture when it comes to try not to take any hold luggage so that security is easier and all of those things. It's yeah. not really a don't, is it? Because some people just need to take extra luggage with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's a big thing, because people don't realize when they overpack. I mean, if you haven't worn something for six months, you are unless it's like a winter coat, and you're going to like Antarctica. OK, you, you don't need it. You don't need it. Like, that's the thing is, like, I, I have a talk with my students who are on trips. We're like, look, if you haven't worn it this entire semester, you're not going to wear it when you're going there. You know, like it's a whole different thing. And and sometimes people don't know that it's like, well, I need to bring three pairs of shoes. I'm like, do you? Do you really? It's a weekend. You know, and, and this is one thing is like my wife will go travel with friends of ours. She'll sometimes go with them to their house and like help them pack. Like you don't need this because if you have too much stuff, you become a target. It doesn't matter where you are. If you got too much luggage, you are the easiest person to rob because I take your wallet. Are you going to leave? Are you going to run after me uh, with your three? suitcases behind you no you can't catch me you can't get <laughs> fat me you're not even catching fat me they can't run because you're like i got all this stuff you know and that's the thing is i see people like italy there's so many people that bring so many bags to italy i'm like look you can just buy clothes in italy people like people don't realize they have stuff abroad like that's where i always find funny because i mean our youngest was born in portugal um and we and they both both our kids been traveling since six weeks old you know and people are like oh i can't travel with my baby i'm like why you know, they're like, well, what if they get sick? I'm like, don't babies get sick around the world too? Like they they have they have doctors in Europe. They have doctors in America. <laughs> won't believe this. They have doctors in South America too, you know? And it's just so funny where people are like, I mean, I've had that one of my one of my family members was like, they're like, we're not gonna come visit you because we have a kid. I'm like, what 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 do you think we have here you like, it was it was kind of I'm like the best part of this family member they're a doctor i'm like oh dear like you can help them it was just like it blew my mind i'm like look you can like they have diapers abroad they have tampons abroad they have food abroad you know and it's just kind of funny like people like overdo those things i think that's that's a mistake just because you can buy something you go but also just the, the the haggle of having to drag it around everywhere is just not fun um i think another mistake i think people make is like with your your, your sometimes it's like hey you know i know there's no roaming in europe if you have a european phone but if you don't have a european phone you can get really nailed on these charges people forget to like call their bank 
you know, so their cards work, their credit card company, their phone stuff, just for like that little thing, their mail, holding their mail and things. It's like, you know, you, you got to like have those background things you don't think about, you know, like in some people, they take medicine, they forget that, hey, if you're going to be gone for a month long trip, do you have enough medicine for that? And how are you going to carry your medicine? Because some of the medicines aren't allowed in other countries. So you need to talk to your doctor about this, because if it's a controlled substance in the country you're going to, you can go to jail, you know, and so those are some some things there. Um, I think another mistake people make is if they go with friends, they don't talk before they go. You got to talk about, like we were saying before, when can we not hang out? You know, when could I do something different? But also the money side of things, because I've gone with friends, I've traveled with friends that are like stupid wealthy. Like, I'm like, wow, I can't. So they, they're like, we're going to go have oysters and we're going to get, we're going to stay in this nice hotel. And I'm like, uh, no, I, I can't afford that. And, and, you know, I'm like, I can afford this, but I can't afford that. I'm like, okay, so we'll, you know, mix and match and stuff. And I have friends literally everywhere we go. Like he, he does very well for himself, makes more money than I do, but he's really, really cheap. And he'll literally just, he'll, like we go to a fancy restaurant, he'll order water. And then could you bring me some limes and some sugar and he'll make himself lemonade, limeade in the water glass for free instead of spending the two pounds or two euros or two dollars for a lemonade. I'm like, dude, really? You know, like th- those <laughs> things it, it just get so frustrating. So I know when I when I when I travel these people, like I have to have the discussion. Look, you know, we're going to this restaurant, like there's a place in Paris. I'm like, you are not making your your homemade lemonade at this restaurant i come here three times a year i know them they're my friends you are not cheaping out like that but you have to have that conversation because the money thing that can really lead to some like you know like tough talks i imagine there's a bit of a lesson in minimalism here as well where you've got to get used to not having a lot of stuff everywhere you go every time you go on holiday you pack too much stuff because you have too much stuff to begin with um it must make traveling easier if you can get by on on less i guess yeah and and what people forget is there's laundromats around the world where you can wash your clothes (laughs) when you travel you know like because i'm people are like i mean they'll go for i mean okay if you got a week yeah you could probably get a week of clothes in so okay but like there's people like oh i'm going for 10 days or 15 days or three weeks and they'll try to take 21 pairs of underwear 21 shirts so i'm like like, yo, man, like you are, that is not, you know, and they'll throw their bowling ball. In case we go bowling, I'm like they have bowling ball. They have bowling balls in Portugal. I'm telling you, they do. You know, and it's just like that. That's what always blows. That, that it just like, you know, I, I, I made them, I never took a bowling ball, but I, I've packed too much back in the day. You know, when I first started doing this, when I was in my teens, yeah, I took too much stuff. By the time I started backpacking Europe and South America in my late teens, early twenties, though, that had completely changed. I'm like, I don't want to lug this stuff around. Like, okay, with my shirts, I'm like, because I would scope out while I'm walking to my house or my hotel, where's the laundromat? Yeah, and that was, I love South America because they do your laundry. And I'm like, I never had ironed underwear before, but man, it's nice. Like, you're like, (laughs) I didn't know my whitey tighties could feel so good. (laughs) I actually, I invested in polyester shirts almost like dress shirts because i don't have to iron them once they're warm enough you can just hang them and they'll all the creases will iron out i never i don't think i ever ironed when i did any stint of traveling really that's a great thing 
that's one thing my wife will do. Like her, all her travel clothes or things like that. She's like, look, I have hundred percent cotton because it dries faster. Or she'll have like different things that doesn't. I like, I, I buy these, these shirts now. I mean, I'm a bigger guy, so I get, they, they fit well on me, but they work no matter where I go. And you're like, Hey, this is really cool. So, so that, that's the thing is like, you know, you find the right travel outfits and there's people that literally have, these are my travel outfits. Great. You know, that it works. It can work as multiple things. So how does that differ when you live somewhere that's built for travelers or tourists or holiday destinations? Because you must travel somewhere and think, right, if I wanted to settle down here, things will likely have to be different. You'll see things different. You'll see tourists passing by. What are the main differences between traveling, holidaying, so to speak, and then trying to put up roots there as well? So this is where, because I, I like to think that there's three, there's three categories. There's the tourist that's just coming in for a week or two. Then there's the digital nomad who's going for like three months to a year. And then you have the people that are going to move there. And those are all very different because the tourist is only doing the tourist things, staying in the tourist area, paying the overpriced things, right? And so it's always a perfect world because I'm just a tourist in a tourist world. Then you have the digital nomads who are there long enough. They're long enough. They've done the touristy things and they're starting to like get to know more about the culture, but they're not signing up for cable. They're not paying taxes. They're not dealing with the really crappy things that everybody else, like you try to figure out the garbage situation in certain cities, right? You know, like they're not really dealing with that. They're having kind of like an extended vacation. And then you have the people that are settling roots or settling down. You realize, oh, wait, some cities like Savannah, Georgia. I was just there for, if you're going to be a, a tourist, it is one of the most prettiest cities you can go to in the U.S. Fantastic food, great nightlife sites, museums. It's great. For tourists, it's great. Digital nomads. Okay, well, digital nomads, well, since it's so popular with tourists, there's very few digital nomad places because the Airbnbs would rather rent out for a weekend than for a month because they can make a month in one weekend. You know what I mean? So, wow, it's tougher to find places, but there's lots of places where you can work, so it can work. But if someone wants to move there, well, the school systems are garbage. And if you want your kids to go to a decent school, you got to pay an insane amount of money. So for relocation, Unless like my wife had talked, I've talked about it because she used to live there and our, our oldest was actually born there. I'm like we can't move back till our kids are out of school because it's not really, it's not viable, you know? And that's one thing you have to look at is that's why it's very different. The tourist perspective, the digital nomad perspective, and then the person that's moved their perspective. And that's one thing I think people that are thinking, you know, you see these trends on Instagram and TikTok, like, oh, why is it after I've been into a country for three minutes? I'm like, yeah, I could move here. Like, yeah, every place can seem great for three minutes, but it's like, then you start to realize all the things that goes into it. I mean, the things you hate at home, you will hate where you move to. Yeah, getting the cable hooked up, getting the internet hooked up, you know, electrical issues, you know, who fixes the water when the pipes burst? You know, that stuff sucks everywhere. And it's not like a tourist destination makes it any different. But when you're a tourist just there for a short time, you don't usually see, you know, you don't see the the the, the ugly underbelly, let's say. I guess that's what makes it so hard to move anywhere long term, aside from the place where you're born, I suppose, is because you know what goes on behind the scenes as you get older and you realize, oh, hey, this is how things are. Whereas if you move somewhere else, it's like a change of of life, really. It's yeah. a change of lifestyle. And it can be fun. It can be fun because that change of life is exciting. Like I used to mm-hmm. move, like, I mean, I've lived in like 12 different countries. and It was always fun, a new destination, new destination. And now, you know, my kids, so it's like we got to set, we settle down. So they have like kind of a somewhat you know, st- stable thing here to be at. But we still travel all the time because like, yeah, we you can still travel and be settled. And and that's it. It's like 
you know, we, the job I got, I teach at the University of Illinois. It's where I did my undergraduate work at. So I knew the area, but it just happened to work out because, hey, we're near the grandparents because they all live in the state too. So it was like, okay, that was like a safe one to go to. But part of me is like, you know, it'd be cool to do a new, a new, a new adventure, you know? And, and that's the, that's the fun thing about when you move around. Like I understand the digital nomads doing like three months at a place at a time because it's exciting. It's like, I got something new. And that's one thing I told my students when they go study abroad, Mike, your third month is going to be a tough one because the first month, everything is new and crazy and fun. The second month, you kind of settle in. And then the third month, like, because you usually study abroad starts in September, it's November. And everywhere you go in the world, usually not everywhere, but like North America, Northern Hemisphere, November is cold, wet, dark, depressing. And that's when you get homesick. You know, and that's when, oh, three months and then they move. Like, oh, then I got a new thing. Then my, my dopamine kicks in again in this new place and it goes over and over again. Yeah, I found the uh, the easiest way of describing it is because I, I used to live in the Canary Islands as well. So mm-hmm. it's kind of equator around thereabouts. And I said, look, describe going to the beach, like watching a good film that you would watch over and over again. At first, you're there every day. You watch the film every day because it's great and you love it and you're, you're living it up and you're still in the holiday mode. Then when the honeymoon phase settles down, maybe after about, two or three weeks you go every couple of days and uh, you still love it you look forward to it you maybe keep a backpack ready so that you can go it's like watching a film and you go right I'll I like that I'll watch it again or I like that yeah. I'll watch it again and you start to miss it and then you will go again or you'll watch the film again and then eventually you realize you know a beach is a beach and you go every week just to get your feet wet and walk along the beach and all of those things but then you start to notice the bad things like with a film you notice the poor editing you notice how long the film is and you hope that they can get to the point quicker and you realize the only way is to speed up the film the same thing with the beach is you start to get a bit annoyed when the sand is in your shoes at first you didn't mind because you love the beach but now you you pick up on things that you never used to pick up on and then pretty soon you think you know what i don't like the beach anymore i've had three years of it and um i used to love it but now it's just irritating dry stuff that gets in your hair and stuff like that that, and that goes into why whenever you go to travel to a destination i don't recommend asking about the tourist sites to the locals because the locals don't go to the the locals go to the restaurants. Locals are great for restaurants and like some cultural things, but the actual sites, that's where like a, a, a travel blogger, a travel blogger is helpful because they're going to the sites, they're doing the tours. I mean, I've, I've, I have friends all around the world and I've learned this, that look, my friends don't know anything about the cities they live in. They're like, oh, I haven't done that. Like they know a few things, but a lot of times they don't know anything like, oh, actually I haven't been. I, or I went, I went when I was in grade school. I'm like, dude, you're 45. Like that's 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, and so, so that's why, I mean, cause I learned that the hard way I was in Stockholm once and a friend of mine, she's like, Oh, I'll show you around. I'll show you around. We saw nothing. And I remember I'm like, I needed to film, but I'm like, Hey, I got to spend time with my friend. So like the next day she's like, Oh, we could do something. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, I, I got to do things. So I like, I took the day myself and went around. <laughs> Oh, it, it's it's weird when you try to talk about it with somebody that has never lived somewhere different for a long period of time. Like yeah. you mentioned, it's something as simple as if the boiler was to break, where do you go? And the tourists wouldn't even think to look at it. The digital nomad probably thinks, oh, I'll move somewhere else next week. With a person that's kind of living there that has to deal with the problems, the problems are everywhere. Mm-hmm. The difference is how easy is it to solve them? Yeah. It's just one of those things where over in some parts of the world, you could just phone a guy 
or girl for that matter, and they will come out and fix it. Whereas some places it's not that easy. Um, a weird example that, that I would probably give is mail, post. Sometimes you get a postman, postwoman goes around delivering it for you and it's great. Other times you've got to go to the post office to pick up your mail. If you've never experienced that, you don't know how much time it actually takes for you to pick up your mail every day or every couple of days. And people live like that and it's their normal. If they were to come over to somewhere that has a postman or or woman delivering your post, they won't know. And they get used to going out to get their post. All of a sudden they get a knock on the door and it's there waiting for them. How great is that? Some people take it for granted. Other people have never experienced it and therefore have no idea what happens I, I find that the more I travel, and I'm sure you probably get this as well, probably more so than me, is you become very multicultural and you become very understanding. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing quite like a level of understanding that you get by experiencing problems. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, well, because it, it ever happens, if you're on the receiving end of somebody else's problems, you're like, oh, they've done whatever it is but then if it happens to you you're praying someone is understanding towards you when it happens to you Mm -hmm. so it happens again if if you go traveling and let's say you you lose something i i went traveling somewhere and i forgot my passport because i was island hopping at the time so i was going and i forgot my my passport and i thought luckily i arrived early enough at like check-ins and stuff that I had the time just about to go back and get it and then go back. So it's things like that where like you see someone running through the airport, you think, oh, maybe they're late for something. Maybe they've got this. Maybe they've forgotten something. If you've never experienced it yourself, you're like, why are you running through an airport? It's an airport. You're supposed to walk and follow the queues. And, and it's just like, well, no, if you forgot your passport, you're running through the airport to go and get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's weird how fun. some people have a very... I guess sensational view of yeah. traveling, how everything's perfect and everything's great, without realizing that some people do have genuine like problems and things that come up when they're trying to travel. As I like to say, when I see somebody speeding down the highway, I'm like, oh, they must have to go to the bathroom. You know, you're like, just assume that because I, I mean, I, I hear people that are being mean to people that are running through airports. Like, well, you should have got to the airport earlier. I'm like, I'm gonna guess. Their connecting flight came in late, and so they have to run. Well, they <laughs> yeah, should have got yeah. different. Like, no, the airline sold them, but the airline sold them. This is not like. I mean, that's when I'm just like, they. You, everyone, I've I've had to run through airports because of delays. You're gonna have to run through airports because of delays. It happens, and that's why when I see somebody run, I just move to the side. I'm like, good luck, man. Good luck, lady. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've I've often kind of sat there and thought, well, maybe I can help them, because if it's something I can actually help them with, I would yeah. hope someone approach me. When I had right. something go wrong, thinking, oh, I really, really wish someone would help me now. I want to be that person that kind of preempts it and goes up and says, is there anything I can do? You're struggling. Anything I can help you with? Yeah. I was, I'd be hoping something like that happened to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's next for you, then? It's crazy. It's crazy. What What's next for you, then, Mark? Have you got other plans, any other destinations you want to go to? Is there anything that's left? that is yet to be filmed or recorded or oh, fulfilled yeah. at the moment there's there's plenty of places i know this two places i'm going this summer um that i haven't got to before israel and jordan we have those coming up 
Um, then we've, I'm teaching a course in Spain and Portugal. So I'll be there. Got some France coming up. Uh, what else? Greece. Like for the summer, like the summer is packed. Like we got, I have two month long trips basically in the summer. And then we're going to, we have a friend of ours, their son's coming over for a couple of weeks. We're going to drive them around the U.S., uh, show them some U.S. stuff. And then, and then it opens up. I've only gotten a few things set up for the fall. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the fall. But the summer, I'll have like a week and a half, two weeks at home. The rest will be gone, gone, gone. How do you balance all of that with your job? So since I'm a professor, I have the summers off. And then I have, you know, six weeks off at winter. And then we have spring break. And then we have fall break. So there's those weeks there. And then I teach Tuesday, Thursday. So I can do like, I can do U.S. trips on the weekends. So it, it all works out. Ah, so you've got enough kind of free time around students yeah. and things that you can... I guess, do you either batch record when you're off and then publish when you're working? Like, how do you balance exactly. that with the actual exactly. channel? What's up? Yeah. How, how, how would you balance it with the actual channel? Oh, yeah, no, because so, that's what I do do. Bat like, so I still film. You know, if we go on a trip, my goal is to film like three to five videos a day while like that those mornings. So I have those things. Sometimes they're like the little short vertical videos. Sometimes it's like, answering somebody's questions a two minute video. Like it's just, I take time out to have that. So when we don't travel for a few weeks, like I have plenty of stuff to put out. Well, it sounds like you've got quite a, a full schedule coming up. Then it must be nice to be able to teach and educate people in other countries as well. You mentioned that you're teaching courses and things. What's that like? Oh, it's fun. It's interesting to see the difference. So I've taught, I've taught in, I think 12 other countries um aside from the u.s and it's it's very different how students prepare or how they take exams or how you know they do things so like i have class with 600 people here in the u.s so i can't do essays because it's just it's just impossible because i don't have the help so it's a lot of it's like the multiple choice so you fill pick a word or fill in the blank you know a lot then there's you know those things and i go to places where they don't do that the students like I, I don't know what to do it's multiple choice but all the answers sound so good i'm like yes but there's a best answer so i have to teach them how to take the test, you know, it's, or I have like, we have a lot of Italian exchange students that come to my university and, and for their Erasmus semester or whatever, you know, and they come in and our exams are on, like you fill in these bubbles and they're like, what do I do? I'm like, so we have to teach them how to fill out the form to take the exam, you know? So that, that was one of the things that's kind of interesting. And then, you know, the, the cheating policies in some places are a little different. Like here, you, you don't help your buddy. You're not allowed to. Other places, no, I talked to my buddy during the exam. It's fine. And so, like, we'll be in <laughs> class and they'll be, like, straight talking to each other. I'm like, hey, hey, you can't do that. But he didn't. I'm like, Anna, come ask me. You don't ask your buddy, okay? You ask me. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> that must be a bit strange as well like if some if some parts of the world allow discussions during exams and you're used to it being like you're sat at a desk you're on your own you're filling out the questions what was it like that happening for the first time like did you have to sit down and think oh maybe it's just a different way of doing things over here yeah yeah no it was the first time I was like well first time I was the student side and I'm like why are they all cheating they're like no that, that we can do that I'm like wait we could do that so I got like a bad grade and I'm like you got oh i was so mad i'm like you could have helped me well they're like well you should have asked me to know i'm like i don't know we can talk to each other <laughs> oh that must have been hilarious well not for you i suppose uh realizing you could have done so much better if you just asked for help yes yes 
So it, it, it has held out. There was one class. It was like, I'm sure, I'm sure there was a class, an exam. I would not have passed without help. So it happens. <laughs> well, you're at Walter's World is the YouTube channel. How can people connect with you, Mark, on social media, websites, that sort of thing? Of course. So Walter's World, W-O-L-T-E-R-S World. So you can find us on our website, waltersworld.com. Social media, everything Walter's World, if it's Facebook, if it's YouTube, if it's Instagram, if it's TikTok, if it's Pinterest, if it's LinkedIn, Walter's World is where you're going to go and we'll give you honest travel advice for anywhere around the world. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Mark, it's been great. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one.